0: Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show. I'm Gavin, and this week's installment is yet another entry in our special midterm election blowout series, in which we annoy the living crap out of Kansas politicians and the voters who loathe them. This installment, however, is crawling with teenagers. And no, that's not a setup to another Mark Foley joke, you bunch of perverts. In conjunction with the Rock the Vote in the DG concert happening at Liberty Hall on October 25th from 4 to 6 p.m. for grades 7 through 12, featuring the new Amsterdam's With Approach and DJ Skew, we were joined this week by the respective leaders of Lawrence High School's Democrat and Republican clubs to get the barely-old-enough-to-vote perspective. Julia Barnard and Sam Hunicky represent Team Donkey, while Nick DiBiase and Dan Bentley take the field for the fighting pachyderms. Again, this is Lawrence.com's Punditocracy, and thank you very much to the heads of the Lawrence High School's Young Democrats and Young Republicans, or just Democrats and Republicans. There is some conflict about that. But if everyone could just introduce yourselves...
1: I'm Julia Barnard from the Young Democrats.
2: I'm Sam Hunicky from the Young Democrats.
3: Nick DiBiase from the LHS Republicans. Dan Belly, LHS Republicans. <laughs> Very good. Kids
0: your age are usually busy drinking phosphates and taking buggy rides and whatever the hell it is that kids do. Uh, why are you interested in politics? Are you hoping to pad your college applications or are you generally interested in public service? Julia? What got you interested in politics? Why are you involved with politics?
1: I think politics affect us more than most people recognize, and I think especially issues like college tuition, um, a lot of other things as well affect us a lot, and people don't really realize it. And people have strong opinions, and they don't act on them, and I think it's important for us to always act on our opinions, no matter our age. Same.
2: Um, Yeah, I think politics is really important. It really affects us, especially now... um, with, I mean, the huge deficit in the federal government, those are things that our generation is going to have to deal with, and I think we should start being active in trying to deal with it right now um, instead of waiting until we're older to deal with it.
3: Nick? Yeah, currently, I mean, th- we allow the uh, the older generations to uh, vote on topics that affect everyone, and so I think we need to be more involved just to, uh, to make sure our opinions are heard and people need to realize that they're... Voice is important even at a
4: young age um I actually got started when uh, my sister started to get involved in politics and uh, she would bring home issues and I would uh start to debate with her and I thought that was very interesting. I thought that um, that debating would be something good that we could do at school and um I just think it's a very there are very important issues that um students need to get involved in so
0: What are some of the local issues the Lawrence based issues that um you're involved with or that you're active in? um, Or are there any local issues that you're concerned with? Or do you think mostly on a national level? Or do you think uh, community-based? Julia?
1: I would say in Kansas, obviously, there's a big divide between the Republicans and the Democrats. For instance, you know, with the Kathleen Sebelius, you know, board, a lot of people are switching from Republicans to Democrats. So obviously Kansas is an important, you know, region to be discussing party politics in, and locally, I mean, we have done things to encourage our peers to vote, and that's a national issue, but we've addressed it on a local level, so I would say, yeah, we're involved in local politics.
2: Yeah, we're definitely involved in local politics. Like Julia said, we had our Promote the Vote rally to get young people to register to vote, um, but at the same time, we're concerned with state and federal politics. Um, I mean, we had Representative Moore come in to speak to um, the school about uh, national level politics, and I think it's kind of like dealing with, I guess, national issues at a more local level um, and trying to do something about it um, in Lawrence and get people aware and stuff like that.
3: Uh, my interests pertain more to the uh, national level, but, I mean, you got to start somewhere and. I think the uh, starting locally and working out and just is probably the best way to go about it.
4: Um, I'm not really involved with a lot of the city issues but I'm more involved with a lot of the state issues and um, I think mostly a lot of the concern that we have when I'm usually debating with Julie it's more national issues I would say than um, state issues and local issues so I would say we're more involved with national issues.
0: On the state level uh, candidates that are running for higher office I assume you're probably supporting Nancy Boyd, Dennis Moore. Uh, but I, I heard you guys discussing earlier that you might have some issues about some of the Republican candidates that are running right now. And Talk about it. It's, I think it's interesting that you are Republicans in Lawrence, which is almost a uh, minority party within the city limits of Lawrence. Uh, but how how are you guys as Republicans engaging in the the local races for federal offices and just for higher state offices. Are you, where do you guys come down on supporting the candidates right now?
4: Um, I would have to say that I'm not a big supporter of Jim Ryan. I like some of his policy, but, um, the separation of church and state thing really gets me because that's an issue that we deal with in school. And, um, I think there needs to be a fine line between, fine line between separation of church and state in schools. And, um, but, uh, I, I saw Nancy Boyda. I didn't like her too much, but um, she was, she was all right. I thought um, she could have done better. With, well, she, she did all right with speaking to us, but um, yeah.
3: So.
0: <laughs> and what about the attorney general's race? Uh, what do you guys think about Phil Klein versus Paul Morrison?
3: Uh, you know, kind of the same the same deal. I mean, you kind of kind of picking the uh, which you kind of have to break it down to which issues you really. Uh, you really uh, are pushing for so. I mean, there's there are um, mo- more moderate candidates at times, so you kind of have to find find the lesser of two evils at times. <laughs> have you decided on one of those lesser two evils? <laughs> uh, it's still something that we're researching and kind of trying to decide. I'm still trying to decide, at least.
0: Democrats, or do you come down on the attorney general's race? I assume you're supporting uh, Morrison, but what do you think specifically about some of the the current campaign tactics that have been going on in the attorney general's race?
2: Um, I think Klein, it seems like he's really worried about his job because he's been using really dirty tactics, I think, to try and attack Morrison. Um, I mean, he's been putting out, for example, an ad I just saw um, about uh, Morrison's alleged, I think, sexual abuse of someone – And even though that was something that never even made it to the courts, there wasn't any evidence really for it, um, he's still putting an ad out there and attacking Morrison, even though... I mean, Morrison is a very experienced person who has a very good track record um, as... uh, He was the attorney at, I believe, Johnson County? Johnson Um, County. um, And he has a very good track record as that. And I don't think that Klein is really trying to make people focus on the issues or on, I guess. Credibility um, for the job. He's trying to focus on more personal things that, uh, I mean, it's more mudslinging than anything else.
0: Definitely. And you guys mentioned how there are former Republicans who are now running as Democrats, and Morrison's actually one of them. You guys, as Democrats, how do you, f- this year might be shaping up to be a tidal wave year for the Democrats on a national level, but how do you feel about the Democrats and the Democratic Party within Kansas? Uh, as I mentioned in Lawrence, it's you know, a solidly blue uh, uh, district. But Kansas at large still very Republican, still very red. What do you guys sense about the upcoming election, the Democrats' chances, and um, Kansas's political future?
2: So in Kansas, I mean, I really think that it's going to keep on being a Democratic state, at least with the governor. Um, and as I know Barbara Ballard likes to point out, uh, the uh, Democrats are the largest voting bloc in the Kansas legislature because there's such a divide between the conservatives of Kansas and the moderate Republicans of Kansas. And I really think that the moderates and the more, I guess, the Democratic Party are really coming together to build more of a coalition. I mean, you see that with uh, Sibelius' running mate, with Morrison. You see it with these moderate Republicans coming over to the Democratic Party. To run against the conservative uh, Republicans like Klein that they don't really like, um, so I think that in terms of Kansas, it's really shaping up to be a kind of moderate Democratic victory.
1: Also, I would say a lot of the Republican candidates, such as Jim Ryan in big races, um, are just they're too conserv- they're too conservative for many of the Republican voters, and things like that can force. I mean, like we we're seeing with Dan and Nick, you know, a lot of Republicans are thinking about voting for Nancy Boyda because Jim Ryan has such you know radical positions on you know abolishing separation of church and state, and I think that's going to get a lot of the middle-of-the-road voters in Kansas. Okay.
0: The Iraq War, where do you guys—do you guys see it now as a mistake, and do you think that a draft would be necessary if we continue with our policy in Iraq unchanged? We'll start, we'll start with the Iraq War policy in general. Where do you guys stand on uh, how the war has been waged and where we are right now?
4: Well, I believe that uh, based on Bush's evidence that it was okay for him to, to make that decision to go to war. But um, what I see a lot now is what we're going to do with this situation. Not a whole lot is getting done. We're just kind of stabilizing co- the country at the point, keeping them from going into civil war. And I think if we take all our troops out at once, the country will fall into a civil war. And uh, who knows what's going to happen then. So, And um, I don't think it's a good idea to keep the troops right in the middle of a civil war if one does break out. So... Um, I think that we should take our troops away a little at a time and just let Iraq take its course, because these people have been fighting for years and years, the Sunnis and the Shiites, and you're not going to change their beliefs. So, um, But the question is, what are we going to do now? I think that a small troop withdrawal over time would work, and uh, talking with the leaders of the new Iraqi government um, about what, what can we do um, to help them, maybe provide them with uh, supplies they need, supplies for uh, their new police force, supplies for the new army, and um, I just think over time, we need to do it over time, not take them all out at once, which is a lot of radical ideas that the Democrats have, is to withdraw all the troops at once, I think that would be a very bad idea, because you know, it would just put it into a state of confusion over in Iraq.
3: Yeah, in a, in agreement with Dan, we, uh, we're kind of at a standstill right now, and I think we just need to keep moving forward instead of, you know, we're just, we're not getting enough done there right now, so uh, I think steps need to be taken to uh to change what's going on there just so that we are taking steps in the right direction and i mean we can't we can't just completely abandon at this point without causing further problems so I think we just need to take steps in the start taking more steps in the right direction
0: so you favor changing the course <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> Democrats cut and run Go
2: ahead. um I don't think that necessarily leaving immediately is the best thing to do. I know that a bunch of Democratic leaders have said that that's the thing to do. Um, I think maybe we should get our troops out of there faster than the Republicans. I mean, moderate Republicans even want to. But at the same time, I think that just immediately, uh, you know, shipping off is not the best thing to do.
1: And on a broader, you know, with a broader perspective on the war, I think a lot of Democrats, I've heard, I know Madeleine Albright and Dennis Moore have both said things. I know Madeleine Albright said... I understand the why of the war, but not the why now. And Dennis Moore said, we can save the Iraqi people from Saddam Hussein, but we can't save the Iraqi people from the Iraqi people. And I think, um, I think that a lot of moderate Republicans would probably agree with that, but that's mainly a Democratic mindset. And I know a lot of Democrats are suggesting phased withdrawal, and I would say a lot of more moderate Democrats are you know, proposing plans like that. And I would say those are the ones the Democrats are more likely to support anyway. So I think the Democrats have a good plan to deal with the Iraq War and not obviously not cut and run.
0: Would you, for those that actually did support the war going in, would you support a draft to try to salvage the war effort?
4: Um, if it came down to it, but um, I think that a draft would be okay. But um, based on that, if we start withdrawing troops, we probably won't need more troops, so I don't think a draft will ever be installed for the uh, Iraqi war right now. Uh, yeah, I'm not... I don't see
3: it as a, a definite possibility that the draft will be instated anyways, but if in fact it did happen, I mean, you know, we, you kind of, you're stuck in a hard place, so, I mean, you got to go with, with what they decide, so. Draft.
0: Democrats?
2: Um, I mean, a draft would affect people our age. We'd be the people getting drafted, and I know that I definitely would not want to fight in this war, Um, I don't support a draft. I think that if you do bring up a draft, then you also have to go back to why we actually invaded in the first place. And I know that I think a lot of young people don't support the war because of why we invaded. And I think a lot of young people wouldn't support a draft. So I definitely don't think it's a good idea, and I think a much better option would be to pull out troops than to start a draft.
1: I would agree, and also that's another issue. I mean, going back to how we can be involved—that's a huge issue for young people, even people who can't vote. It would be us if the draft wasn't instituted. So, I think that's a huge issue to think about for people our age, um, if that were to come up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Switching gears, you've mentioned that you've had uh, uh, Democrats come and speak at Lawrence High. Uh, no prominent Republicans, though, thus far. No. Yeah. But you're working on that, right? I'm on <laughs> Republicans are working on it. But that is. One of the ways that you guys are getting involved with the uh, November elections is by just having some of the candidates come and speak. Uh, how else are you guys preparing for or getting involved with, Julie? Uh,
1: we've had a lot of canvassing efforts over at the headquarters. I know the Free State Young Democrats are doing the same thing. We are helping out canvassing. We're also um, we're helping out. We helped address postcards for Dennis Moore in our monthly meetings. We've had a lot of discussions just to raise awareness. On Thursday, I know, in conjunction with the Young Republicans, we're going to have something during our school study hall, the seminar, and we're just going to be going over the candidates and their issues for registered voters to just help them with their education on the issues. And we're just trying to do everything we can to get the kids who are old enough to vote to the polls and voting for the candidates that they do ideologically support. So,
2: Yeah, and a bunch of what we're doing here isn't necessarily that we want people to vote Democrat or Republican. We want people to be informed about who they want to vote for.
0: And I, you guys were mentioning it earlier. It's kind of unfair to put you guys in this position because you've been busy with football. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what, what do you think you might want to do, or uh, what are you guys personally doing getting ready for the elections?
4: Um, I'd have to say that uh, um, I've just been talking to a lot of kids about issues in school and debating with a lot of kids and issues, especially Julie and I. We got into we had a whole hour of math class where we just debated over... a uh, <laughs> that sounds debating. like a productive math yeah, class. It was a very productive math class, but um yeah, we've just been debating a lot i debate with I was debating with Sam Donnell he 's uh, another member of the Republicans Club, and it's just amazing how i 'll start debating with those people over maybe current elections, uh, local elections uh national elections and it'll just be amazing how many people start to jump in after that, and people take my side, people take their side and it 's just amazing that that many people will want to get involved after they see the argument taking place. And I know
1: a couple people in our math class, especially during that day. I mean, (coughs) Nick is in our math class. There are a couple other people in our math class who definitely got involved who I wouldn't normally, I mean, not Nick, but there are a couple other people in our math class who I wouldn't normally associate with maybe, you know, having a strong, definite political ideology that do. And I think it brings out a lot of things in people that they didn't know existed, and I think that is very helpful.
4: Yeah, I just think that uh, kids, I mean, a lot of kids these days are since... um. They'll just watch, you know, a few networks on TV that only have. Maybe they'll watch MTV and that's it. Maybe they'll watch Sports Center and that's it. And they're not really getting the news. So um, I think that it's a good idea that we bring that news to the students, bring these issues to the students, and then after that, after they see the the outcomes of what if this issue, what if um, if they see the outcomes of these issues, they will want to take a side and um, they'll want to get involved. So I think that's a good idea if we bring the issues to the students. Also, there are teachers
3: who will push a, a biased view to the students who, I mean, there are many students who really do not know uh, their opinion of yet and are trying to find, you know, where they stand on a lot of these issues. So sometimes when uh, I feel a teacher is unfairly put forth some information that may not be fair to both sides, you know, you try and give the other side just to, to let people know there is a choice and it isn't just so cut and clear like some people make it out to be. So
1: And that yeah. happens on both sides, I would say. Definitely.
0: So I'm you do concerned. find that there, there is, are, is, there is there political are, bias in the staff of the oh, high school. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Really? Okay.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, there are a lot of teachers who go out of their way to make sure that there aren't. Yeah. there isn't very bias true. in yeah.
0: what they're saying.
4: I mean, um, it, I, if I was put in their position, I would think it would be very hard to keep my opinion out of what I was teaching. So.
0: Mm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You guys are, in fact, teenagers. Um, how creeped out are you by the whole Mark Foley thing? Uh, He wouldn't find you so much interesting, Julia, but the rest of you guys. (laughs) How how do you think that's impacted the the election cycle? And uh, just how does that make you feel about your elected officials in general?
1: And I would say you can find good people and you can find bad people, moral and immoral people everywhere. And it's disturbing that one of those people was a representative, but obviously his constituents didn't know. And now that they do, obviously he's resigned. He wouldn't be reelected. And I think we're doing the best that we can do as a country to keep those people out of office and
2: um yeah Yeah, I mean I think the worst part about it is that they were I mean it was an underage type of scenario I mean if it hadn't been I don't think then it would necessarily be the public's place to judge that um and I also think it's kind of disturbing um how long the Haster office kept I guess this whole thing um under wraps I mean it they've proven that uh Someone in his uh, staff was informed at least a year in advance um, before it came out, and I think that really shows a problem in the way our government's working if something like this can't um, i guess be dealt with uh, be dealt with i guess pretty much right after um, someone of power is informed about it
1: and also there i'm a little disturbed about the huge divide there is in Congress about the issue because I know. You know, people from both sides of the aisle, I know Democrats, Joe Lieberman and Barack Obama, have come out so, um, supporting, at least in the beginning, Dennis Hastert and his, you know, claims about knowing about the scandal and things like that. And it's just a huge divide between the people who trust and the people who don't. And I think that is a problem in Congress is that there isn't a huge amount of trust, and I think that does need a change. Um,
4: I just don't think it was good for the Republican Party to uh, keep this under wraps. Why let one candidate destroy the image of the entire party? That's what I think. And I think that those people should have brought it to the the issue publicly a long time ago, and it' just ruined the image of the party. It might even cost us uh, the house so and we were talking earlier about uh, your efforts to get your peers to vote
0: uh, i 've never thought it was fair that your age demographic gets blamed for apathy because everyone in this country is stupid and lazy, uh, regardless of age. That being said, what, what do you think explains the sort of lackadaisical approach that people in your age group have towards voting? And, not, again, not just your age group, but this whole country, when we only get, at best, 50% of the voting-eligible uh, population to vote. What do you think? Why, why, why?
1: <laughs> I think with our age group, we don't have enough mature distance from the issues. And, I mean, the stuff that will one day be history to us is still, you know, current events, I would say our parents' generation, Watergate is history, Vietnam is history and we don't have a history yet. And so I think as you get older you realize the scope of politics and you realize what it really does to your life and how it really can change, you know, the status quo and your life as an individual. And I would say in general for the public, you know, everyone's obviously disenchanted with government, Mark Foley. I mean, in the past, Vietnam and Watergate, a lot, you know, they're just it's wrought with scandals, the whole political system, and I would say a lot of people are disenchanted and I would say, you know, from the point of view of someone who is politically active. I would say we don't have time to be disenchanted, and we need to fix it instead of letting it be bad because it really does affect our lives.
4: Um, what I've realized among students is that uh, a lot of um, a lot of kids are into the socialist issues, such as gay marriage and abortion. But I think uh, there are a lot more important issues out there. And um, one of the issues that I was, you know, that really got me into politics was the issue of Social Security. You no, know, I I saw my paycheck and I realized they were taking money off for Social Security, and it really kind of got to me. And I was like. I saw these older people you know worrying about social security and I was wondering maybe will I get it when I get older you know and stuff like that so that that really brought me into politics right there the issue of social security right there and I think if kids just have you know a couple issues where they can really get into politics and the other issues will follow and they will take a side on those issues so
3: and there's there's so many kids that are completely uninformed and completely they they really just don't worry about the issues and they don't think they affect them and I mean that's something with With a a draft, people talking about the draft, I think if a draft were to happen, I mean, that would definitely increase the amount of voting that goes on with with, uh, the younger younger people in the population just because they'd finally see an issue that, like, is clear-cut something that affects them. And although there are many other issues that do affect young people, they just don't, you know, they don't take the time to, to find the issues that are really going to affect them in the long run.
2: Yeah. And I think that there are a lot more distractions for people our age now. Um, I mean, there's all, I mean, hundreds of TV channels, um, music, uh, lots of things to do, you know, out and about. And I think that it's, I mean, you really have to want to be informed to to be informed now. And, uh, I think a lot of people our age aren't informed and therefore they don't really have an opinion on anything. And I think that Uh, the one opinion that they might have would just be that government's bad and as Julia said that they're disenchanted with government and I think that's an image that people like us who are actually involved with politics have to break because we need people to be informed and involved with politics and yeah yeah I would have to say there's
4: a lot of cynicism among high school students towards the American government and um I don't think it needs to be that way. I think the kids, if they want to do something about them, they need to do something. They need to voice their opinion, and they need to get out in the community and do something about those issues.
1: And I wouldn't say that everyone needs to be completely politically minded and politically active. I just think that it's important to establish opinions of everyone you know, our age and older, of every generation. I think it's important to have opinions and know where you stand.
0: Yeah. And speaking of knowing where you stand, it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> Citywide smoking ban, yay or nay.
4: Dan. Nay, big time nay. Big time nay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that it's people's choice whether they wanna smoke or not and um it's it will hurt their health and it's their choice altogether whether they want to smoke or not, and I think a smoking uh, citywide smoking ban would be very a very liberal idea right there. So, and I'm I'm totally against that right there. So. <laughs> Nick, uh, probably
3: also Nay. I do think people should have the choice, but I mean there are circumstances that in restaurants and things, but because it can affect the health of other people. So, but it is a, a choice that people should have as long as they are a legal substance.
2: Yay. Uh, I, it's, it's something that not only affects the health of the person smoking it's something that affects the health of everyone in the area I mean secondhand smoke has been shown to cause huge health problems um, and I mean especially for people who have things like asthma um, it's a problem and it's hard for them to go into a restaurant and actually be able to sit there um, you know and eat food without having to worry about a disease or health you know health effects. Julie?
1: I would say yay um, everybody's hit on it. it's a health issue I totally agree that people should have the chance or the choice to smoke if they want to, and you know there's nothing that anyone can do about that. It's a personal thing, but I don't think it should be in restaurants, like Nick was talking about. I don't think it's something that should be involved in the public public sphere. And if they want to do that at home, that's their issue.
4: Rebuttal. <laughs> um, I just have a question: Is this citywide smoke ban? Is this completely outlawing smoking in the entire city, or just in public places? Public, in public places. places. Yes. Public yeah, restaurants,
0: places. bars. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, you can still smoke at home and and out on the sidewalk and such. Okay. Okay. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> <I> was- <laughs> there's there's there aren't any black helicopters sweeping the streets like with sniper rifles shooting the cigarette out of your hand. Okay, moving on. Talking about those hot button issues. Abstinence-only education or sex education that includes contraception, Julia? Uh,
1: obviously not for abstinence-only sex education. That's a terrible idea. I feel very strongly about that. I know, I, I don't know the actual statistic, but I know that, you know, most of the people they are going to be educating will just tune out and it will alienate everyone they're educating if they use abstinence only, you know, an abstinence only campaign, and I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I know that my peers would feel completely alienated with adults telling them that abstinence is the only way. And I think not knowing about options like abortion and adoption would, you know, if a girl were to get pregnant, she would have no idea what to do. And I think the options are the most important thing, you know, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, I think it's all about the options. So, uh, you know, education, nobody can argue with education. So abstinence only isn't a real education, I would say.
2: Sam? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, abstinence only is a very bad idea. It's something that I think religious conservatives really like, uh, be- and they don't really like the fact that there are other options, um, And, I mean, at the same time, that's also another result of that kind of conservatism is, um, I mean, uh, I guess not really supporting any kind of uh, cure to sexually transmitted diseases because uh, people think that that will be another incentive for young people to have sex. And, I mean, I think that telling people that there are options is the best way to do it because it leads to a more healthy uh, society.
3: Nick? Uh, People should definitely know all the options that are there for them i mean you can't you can't limit what you teach people just to uh to try and push like a certain viewpoint there there are options out there and people
4: need to be aware of them dan um i would have to say no for the absence, um for the uh no for the absence only education because um it's uh it basically takes away all the kids that have already that are already having sex in high school and um I just think um, that you, those kids will not stop. So um, although absence is the best form of birth control, I would say that some kids are already having sex and you're not going to stop them. You need, but um, I would have to say no to, to, uh, to talking about abortion as a method of birth control, though, in those absence-only things because I don't think that should be a method that is taught. I think they should talk about uh, other types of contraceptions. Moving on. Evolution. <laughs> Accepted science or blasphemous theory? Oh, I would definitely say um, that it's um, it's a uh, it's a scientific theory, but I think it should be taught in schools. I'm not a I'm not a big fundamentalist Christian here, so um, I would say that it should it should be taught in schools. That kids should know about it, and um, when it does come up on tests, they need to know about it. And um, that you're just limiting them to one idea. Then if you don't talk about it, so Nick? again, it is a uh,
3: it is a theory that is important to uh, to I mean your your uh, overall knowledge and you need to be informed about everything that is out there. So you should you should uh, be able to learn about it in school just so you are able to uh, grow as a person with your knowledge and and everything of that sort. Sam,
2: um, yeah, I agree. It should be something that's taught in school. I mean, religion is something that's akin to philosophy. And if you're going to teach any sort of religious thing that doesn't have any empirical data backing it up, you need to teach it in a philosophy type of class. Um, and people need to know that evolution is a scientific theory that is a fairly widely accepted, and there are obviously some problems with it, but for the most part, uh, scientists agree with it. And people need to know that and, I guess, be able to know the difference between uh, science and religion. Julie?
1: I would agree with everything everyone said so far. Um, also, that's You know that issue very directly affects people our age. It's another issue that we need to be paying attention to, and that's another reason why um, a lot of people are, I think, moving away from Republicans in Kansas because I think a lot of people think that's just absurd that we would be denying our children um, and us, you know, a well-rounded education.
0: On this topic in general, religion in school, school prayer, Christianity clubs, kosher, Julia.
1: Um I would say to a certain extent it's fine. I think I think that there needs to be equal religious representation if they're going to go about religion in schools. I think it's unfair to have, you know, a huge block of Protestants or Catholics or Jews or, you know, people who observe Islam, so I would say that it's okay as long as it's not part of the public education, as long as it's a club and is obviously not included in education. I would say it's fine to learn about the ideology in a philosophy class, but it's not okay to teach it in science or politics or history. Or I mean, obviously in history you learn about the history, of, but you know what I mean. And I would say I am somewhat offended by events such as you at the poll. I don't think that's necessarily appropriate because I think it is bringing it too far into the education sphere. I think that um, that kind of seems to a lot of kids that go to our school as more of a You know, (laughs) school-sponsored event rather than a club-sponsored event.
0: Explain, see you at the
1: pool. I think it's just one time a year. I know they did it at my junior high at South Junior High, and they've done it this year at Lawrence High, and it's just I think they get together and do a prayer prayer service outside of our school.
2: Sam? Yeah, Yeah, I think that it's not something that really belongs in schools. I don't have a problem if people form their own extracurricular activities around it. But if you actually have something like prayer at school, I don't think that that's really appropriate because it is combining uh, church and state um, I mean I think it's okay also to teach different religions in like a philosophy class um, as long as you're not teaching them as a doctrine and you're teaching them more as kind of a cultural uh, phenomenon
3: um, I think the availability for uh, clubs is, is fine but um, I think in in the ways of actually teaching it and more like the teachers are preaching I don't I don't think that's right Dan?
4: I think it's okay as long as it stays as an, uh, out of the school-wide curriculum and that it should all, all religions should be taught on relatively the same amount of time and energy spent on one religion in class as another one should. And, um, yeah, it just, I think that, I mean, I've seen it in school a few times, and, like, in choir we're singing, all, all uh, four choirs in school are singing four songs about the Messiah in school. And that really got to Julie and I, and we were thinking about, you know, maybe saying something about that. Although it is, it is really well-written music, you know, but I think that that music should, um, there should be other music it included in that program right there, so. I
1: think our choir teacher always pushes the idea of, you know, music as music, and I would agree that Handel's Messiah is a classic, and it's incredible music, and that we should be learning about it. I personally just have a problem with the fact that, I mean, there's an audience singing along at every concert in the audience sing-along is Hallelujah in this next concert, and I do have a problem with things like that. I obviously don't have a problem with singing Handel's Messiah, but it's just that the fact that there is no other literature that we're singing in this concert. Last concert um, we did have a substantial amount of our literature um, with religious connotation as well, but I I can respect the music as music. It's just when it comes to being sing-alongs and things like that, that is hard for me to agree with.
0: High school football. Are you sick of it? (laughs) Julia?
1: Not at all. I love high school football. I'm a little sick of us losing, but I love, I love our team and the football.
2: Sam? Um, no, I'm not sick of it. I'm, I'm in the band, so I come to all the football games anyways, um, and it's fun. So.
3: Nick? Uh, definitely not sick of it. Um, <laughs> being on the football team and, and everything, this is uh, probably my uh, my last chance of to play football, considering I'll probably take an alternative courses of action in college <laughs> so uh but yeah I, i'd like it to continue as as long as it can and hopefully uh the season will be a little better from here on out <laughs>
4: dan yeah i'd have to say i'm not sick of it yet i mean it gets pretty tiring when you have to stay out to practice till little every night but uh Friday's payday, so it's all good after that.
1: (laughs) I would would also say, I mean, it's a way for the community to connect in a way that it wouldn't otherwise have if it wasn't such a big deal. I think, I know me and my friends were in the front row every football game cheering on, you know, cheering it on, and it's just a tradition, and there are people, you know, everywhere that do have a connection to Lawrence High Football or Free State Football, and I think it's a really good way for the community to organize in a way that it wouldn't otherwise.
0: And finally, in the lightning round, music. What are you listening to? Dan?
4: I'd have to say, I listen to a lot of uh, country and classic rock. So, <laughs> uh,
0: What would we find in your CD player right now, or in your iPod right now?
4: Uh, you might find, um, you'd probably find some Leonard Skinner. I was listening to that on the way to school. So. Skinner. Nick? Uh, my little brother's
3: a guitar player, so uh, I'm also into the rock. He's kind of uh, pushed me in that direction. So uh, you'd probably find some uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Jimi Hendrix, stuff like that. I, I listen to a lot.
2: Sam? Um, I'm afraid I'll be the weird one. I like classical music. Uh-huh. Uh,
3: so. You and Nancy Boyda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, who, some of your favorite composers or pieces. Um,
2: I really like Vivaldi a lot. Um, I also like romantic music, you know, turn of the century. Yeah. So,
0: Julia?
1: Um... I'd say it's a really wide range. On the way here, we were listening to Nora Jones in my car. Um, oh, <laughs> I love <wow>. Nora Jones. At least it's groans
0: from the Republicans. And,
1: um, you know, I listen to the radio. I listen to country. I mean, we live in Kansas. You can't <laughs> So um, I would say it's a really wide range.
5: Yeah.
0: And uh, on the music tip, uh, there is the Rock the Vote concert on Wednesday at Liberty Hall. I know that you, the young Democrats, are specifically going to be there, right? How are you involved with it?
1: Um, the young Republicans are, of course, you know, affiliated with LHS, which is the main goal. So, of course, they're invited to participate with us. I know we're selling shirts from our promote the vote rally for ten dollars, um, which we'd love to have people sell, have people wear. Um, they're really awesome. They've sold pretty well around our school. We're also um, we're going to have a table, so we're just going to be um making people aware i know we're involved with the national organization of young democrats and they're sending us literature um which just has issues um that affect youth that i think we're going to bring if we receive them in the mail in time so it's awesome literature and we just you know are there to increase awareness there are options around town
0: and uh, you guys are you going to be there on Wednesday night? Uh, I think it's the best way for Julius, to uh, the LHS Republicans,
4: to organize. So.
0: <laughs> you guys haven't been penciled in yet.
4: <laughs>
0: in the vein of an actual political debate discussion, I'll give everyone a few minutes for uh, closing arguments or comments. Dan, anything that you'd like to say about your organization in general or the election specifically?
4: Well, considering we've only had uh, one meeting so far... Uh, <laughs> uh i don't know yet the uh young democrats have probably how many meetings Have you guys had at least 10 probably or so well we're, we're just trying we're just trying to get organized right now i would uh take that upon me because uh i haven't really uh been doing too much i've been really busy with football which i guess is kind of an excuse so <laughs> but i definitely need to get on the ball here and get this club together so yeah same
3: thing we're just trying to uh to get as many people involved as as we can and those who are Republicans in the town we're trying to uh, <laughs> trying to get trying to assemble and just uh, keep hope alive. Yeah, yeah. Per, get a united front
2: going. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been. I think we've been doing a pretty good job of organizing our club this year. Um, we've been doing a lot of activities, like getting speakers, like our promote the vote rally, and I think we're just trying to get people involved, uh, get people aware of what's going on, and get people to be active in politics.
0: Julia.
1: I think um, we're involved with a national organization, which is incredibly active. They have peer-to-peer campaigns going on everywhere. They're getting, you know, over 3,000 pledge cards every day um, that say, "I pledged to vote Democrat" from youth all over the country. Um, and so I think we're trying to, you know, follow suit and just be really active and really enthusiastic. And um, I think a lot of our maybe you could call it platform this year for our club at our school is just that it's about awareness and. Because my political views happen to lean Democrat doesn't mean I can't, you know, engage in a really awesome discussion with Dan, whose views happen to be Republican. And so I think this year a lot of stuff, especially after the election, we'll be doing, I'm sure, with the young Republicans. We have a really, you know, friendly relationship with them. And. They have done an awesome job of recruiting people from around our school, I think, as have we. So I think that we're doing an awesome job this year at LHS, you know, Republicans and Democrats alike.
4: I'd also like to promote the club kickball tournament at the end of the year. (laughs) It's going to be the elephants versus the jackasses, so you guys might want to come out for that one.
0: And how can you not root for elephants and jackasses, regardless of your political affiliation? All right, well, Julia, Sam, Nick, and Dan, thank you all very much for joining us here at Lawrence.com. Thank, thank you. Good luck with your get-out-the-vote efforts, and have a good semester, or again, whatever the hell it is that you teenagers do. <laughs> As a quick note, we did vigorously attempt to bring in a third-party representative by inviting the Young Socialists to participate But they were apparently too busy redistributing lunch money. Maybe next time. Even though their youth and idealism mocks the bitter husk of a man that I've become, I still found our young guests' enthusiasm infectious and their grasp of the issues surprisingly strong and, on a petty level, somewhat threatening. But we would like to thank them nonetheless for joining us here on Punditocracy. I am Gavin, and a quick reminder... If you are in grades 7 through 12, be sure to check out the Rock the Vote and the DG concert happening at Liberty Hall on October 25th from 4 to 6 p.m. The new Amsterdam's approach, DJ Skew. How could you go wrong? I hear there's going to be t-shirts and stuff. Come on. You know you want some. But if anybody has any comments, feel free to email at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com. Visit our MySpace page. Yeah, we're on MySpace. Otherwise, tune in next week. Bye-bye.